0: Welcome Mamas, welcome to another episode of the Working Mama podcast. Today I have with me the founder of National Flexible Workday, Vanessa Vanderhoek. Vanessa, welcome. Hello, thank you for having me. My pleasure, really looking forward to the chat. So why don't we get started? Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, so my name's Vanessa, thank you
1: and hello Mamas, it's awesome to be here. I suppose my pathway and who I am, so I started working 20 years ago. It's quite crazy when you stop and you look back on your life and you say, wow, how have I got to where I've got to? And for me, I look back 20 years ago, my first job was with Arthur Anderson. So that was a consultancy company and my first gig with them was... Putting Ansett administration Ansett Australia into liquidation. So I worked on a big team. So if you're old enough, you might remember wow. Ansett. So it was yeah. a yeah, it was an airline which was a direct competitor to Qantas back then. And the other day, I just Dan and I were having a conversation, my husband, about the last twenty years and how the world's changed. And I I was just reflecting on that. And for me, my career started there. Then I went to work for Ernst & Young, which is another global consultancy company. And I worked on amazing different types of jobs, worked in risk and audit. But my favourite was when I ended up landing in healthcare consulting, so I worked for EY for about 10 years, got to the ranks of director, which is a level below partner. And then I made a career decision where I said, you know what, I'm going to step out of this role. I called it my rock because it had been such a big part of my life for a decade. And I took a role in the federal government. So I took a role as a senior executive officer and I worked with my colleagues in establishing a an agency which manages the $40 billion of federal health public money. So I really pushed myself. I stood outside my comfort zone, which I look back on it, and I just think, wow, I must have really been brave at the time. But for me, it was I knew what I had been working on. I was confident in the consulting space, and I really wanted to put my hand in the healthcare sector and really see what it was like. For me, I was doing the fly-in, fly-out, So my executive posting was in Sydney. My family at the time were living in Canberra. So I was doing that commute, which when we talk about flexible work, sometimes we forget about that fly in, fly out element. And many executives do do this. And my youngest at the time, or who's now my middle child, he said to me, I don't want you to do this anymore. So I'd I'd fly up to Sydney and I'd spend a couple of days there and then I'd come back. And so what I did was I stopped that gig um, applied for a deputy CEO role for a not-for-profit agency, which I thought was going to be just an amazing dream job. Within a really short time of my, me being there, the uh, organisation lost all of its government funding. So I had to work with the executive, put the, the company in liquidation, which was devastating. And my boss at the time said to me something, said yeah, to to me, something, gosh, a bit <laughs> tongue twisted. Um, and it was, for me, a major career pivot, what he said. He said to me, do what you do best. And I was like, yeah, sure. And I left his office that day when we had put the company into liquidation and he said, do what you do best. And I had to come back about an hour later and say, what do you mean? Do you mean the accounts, because I was a qualified accountant? Or do you mean service delivery and working through supporting the continual delivery of these services for a couple of weeks and he said no Ness what I want you to do is support these people you're you're very good at helping people see their strengths and help them navigate through uncertainty and change and I was like oh okay I never knew that's what I did best so we put the company into liquidation and then after that, I actually established my own businesses. So this is about eight years ago now. So I established a career consultancy company and then Flexigility, which is a business that supports um, organisations to really normalise and modernise their approach to flexible work. Now I look back on it and I say, Wow, all those really strange jobs now make sense because of who I am today. But at the time, I know Mum, as you're listening for many of my clients, it's so true. We we navigate our careers and at points we say, Why am I doing this? This doesn't make sense. But then when you stop and you actually reflect on your golden thread and your key strengths, it all makes perfect sense. So I know that's a long intro, but I thought it it's important to really share that background.
0: No, I think it's always useful. And I think it also shows that today careers aren't linear. You go off in all different tangents and in different directions and where you end up, you may not necessarily have expected of when you left school. Uh, you know, when you, you finish school, you think, yes, I'm going to go do this degree. For me, it was IT. And I've had a very different career since then. But there's also been pivots along the way that to, to where you end up, uh, which is, I think it's also really good to know and to share that story that it's not one dimensional. No, I think the thing that people
1: struggle with still is that notion of a portfolio career. Yes. So where you can do lots of different things. So you have your side hustle. You've got this amazing podcast for these beautiful mummers. And we we often have many different side hustles in our portfolio careers. So for me, it's the career coaching for women. Then I've got the flexible working and I'm also a functional nutritionist. For many people, it's very hard to wrap their heads around how you could have so many different things going on. But for me, it comes back to that golden thread and it's the same for you. And it, for me, it's about that I'm really skilled and I love helping people transform. Particularly women. So it doesn't matter if it's in that aspect of their career, if it's in that aspect of their health and wellbeing, or if it's in that aspect of how they best optimize flexible work. The golden thread's the same. Yeah. And sometimes we just got to stop, don't we, and reflect on who we are and our strengths and
0: what's unique and beautiful to us. I think that's so true and for me reflecting on that was actually I had the opportunity to do that when I was on maternity leave um, and I actually took maternity leave as a bit of a career break of oh, wow I've been working for 16 years oh, I just need a time to stop and break I'd, I'd had extended career breaks um, you know to travel and to live in a ski ski resort for a season but also just having time as a mum just to take a step back and go what is it that I really enjoy um, is, is really important just on that element of golden thread how did you discover yours or is it just by your manager saying you naturally are good at this yeah it, for me it was a big pivot
1: um, when he said do what you do best and I think uh, it's like that Tony Robbins when he says your life changes in a moment now we need to be tapped in and very conscious to our world and our what's happening around us. And for me, I could have easily gone, yep, whatever, kept going. But for me, I was very acutely aware that what he had said had an undertone to it. And so I wanted to really explore that. And so once he... It actually goes quite deep. So once he said what he said around how I am really good at supporting people and bringing out their best, even though when time's really stressful, and I've got a higher level of resilience, I know that, um, and that comes from, you know, a childhood that has really fostered that in me. Um, and I can help people get to that. And so for me, what I did was I did some really scary stuff to really get to the bottom of that strength of mine. And this is something, mummers, that you can do. So basically, I went to my network. I did this on Facebook. And I wrote a post. And I said, hey, guys, I'm just looking to understand my strengths can you just share with me some words that come to mind when you think of my name? And I pressed, close my eyes and press send, you know, pressed enter, whatever the thing is on Facebook, you know, post. Yep. Um, and, and this is a long time ago. This is eight years ago. It's still on one of my business websites and the responses just started rolling in. And I think I got like 80 people respond and there were themes in the keywords that they shared. And so for me, there's nothing more frightening than putting yourself out there and being vulnerable and asking your community. But also there's nothing more transformative for you to be able to stop and say, look, this is my hypothesis of myself. This is what I think I'm good at. This is how I present in the world. And then seeing it in writing. And actually so having that validation. It was really cool. So, you know, having come from a global company, um, it'd be the same way you're currently working. You you have 360 reports and it's all very formal and, you know, it's all very professional. Having stepped out of that world, I hadn't explored any real um, rapid feedback like this. So it was really cool. So we can all do this. It's not hard. You just have to be open to it.
0: Yeah. And did you get any feedback that surprised you or did it validate what you already thought of yourself? It was
1: a a huge validation process for me. So the thing, and I've used this with over 500 coaching clients, um, and I would say about 80% take it up. So there's 20% who are scared, who just say, sorry, not doing it, which is fine. For those who do it, it's
0: life-changing. Yeah, no, it definitely would be. And so through your journey, what inspired you to be an advocate for p- flexible work it it came by accident like <laughs> all like all the
1: <laughs> like all good things oh geez you know and someone said to me a few years ago if you had have known what would unfold would you have done it would you have been so brave i'm like mm, maybe not because <laughs> i'm i'm an introvert i'm quiet i'm quite reserved uh and it's been full on. So we have now international. So over the last three years with Flexible Working Day, we've reached 60 countries and over 3 million people. So it's a big platform. I've got a network of representatives in many countries where we connect on a regular basis to share intel of what's happening. So yeah, it's good. It's full on. There's a much needed space for it. I suppose I fell into it by accident. So when I left the not-for-profit, I created a career coaching business. And I also had a side hustle of consulting because I'd had so many years as a very senior consultant for the global company. um, In my network, people were still saying, you know, can you please come and provide us some service? So I ended up working for a government department and they had a known problem with retaining women in senior executive roles. And because I'd been a senior executive in government, I think that also added a bit of credibility to my portfolio. So what we did was we went in and just had a conversation with some of them and I developed a hypothesis that it was that they couldn't access flexible work and that there were many stigmas associated with it. So what we ended up doing was running like a survey basically, not only with the executive women, but also everybody in the executive, and they decided to run it across the organisation. And basically, the results were startling, the executive were flawed with the results. So basically, it said that majority of the organisation wanted flexibility, uh, both men and women, wasn't just women, Mm. and that 40% would leave if they were offered a job that offered more flexibility that suited their needs, the thing that really um, didn't surprise me because I've worked flexibly for a long time, and like you, I had a career break in a ski field
0: <laughs> which that it? another time yes, that's, a, that's a whole other conversation
1: <laughs> yeah, it was so good. Um, I talk about that and reflect on that often um, but for me I knew it was not just about having children. And what the results showed was that was exactly the case. So people were saying they wanted it for a variety of reasons. A lot was around their health and well-being. A lot was obviously around caring for older parents, uh, for their own health. So many people said they had medical conditions and disability and they needed it. A lot said because of their productivity, and the list goes on. Like, you know, the list, mamas. (laughs) I'm I'm talking to the converted here. Um, But essentially, it was a shock to them. So I'm talking, what year am I talking? Probably about six years ago. And so from that, I said, right, why are we not talking about this? You know, my previous bossing federal government was amazing at supporting this. It's not just about part-time. It's not just about working from home. It's about all the different types of flexibility. And guess what? If we don't do it as businesses and managers and leaders, people are going to leave. So that's where I started to think about a platform. I spoke to many um, big Advocacy organisations in Australia and said, Hey, you should do this. And they were all like, No, we don't know how to do that. We don't <laughs> want too to do that. Yep. Yeah. And so one day I just said, You know what? I'm going to do it. So the first year I'd written to the Prime Minister and I got a nice letter back saying, You go, it should be fun. Uh, we can't support you in any way, you know, politically, um, which is fine. Um, but yeah, we think it's a good idea. I didn't go ahead that year because it just didn't feel right. Like I didn't feel like, and I'm not a comms person. You are. I should have come to you yeah. back then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not comms. I'm not marketing. I'm traditionally an accountant, accounting with a bit of psychology thrown in there. Um, But it just didn't feel right. And so what I did for a year after that was I really built up the following. So I got ambassadors on board. I got companies on board. And then that meant that first year we could have a really meaningful conversation. And it shifted. So the first year was really about individuals, like all of us mamas getting together saying, hey, this is really important. Mm. Year two and three, the conversation has largely been backed by businesses So if you have a look at our social media, uh, you'll see that, you know, the likes of BHP and Amex and all these really significant organisations, Harvard Business Review really got behind the day, which is really cool. And I think this year it will be even
0: different again. And that's what's so important through this is, you know, from little things, big things grow and to really create that momentum and have that conversation change. Um, it's just like you, you see 10 years ago about are you okay? I know when they started that, not as many people were talking about mental health, but now it's ingrained in our conversation. And, and it's great to see as well in the last couple of years how the conversation as well is slowly changing um, around flexible work. you okay? is fabulous. That whole
1: platform and advocacy and what they've done is absolutely amazing. I agree with you. You hear it often and I'll even say in meetings and I'll include it in um, social media copy around, we need to ask each other, are you okay?" It's so simple.
0: Yeah. And it's so effective. Exactly. It's such a good message behind it. And so some of the perceptions of flexible work are just working from home. And you spoke about before about um, fly in, fly out. What are some other ways that to try and demystify what is flexible work as well, and what do we mean by it?
1: Yeah, I think of it um, in four categories. So I think that's the easiest way to to try and break it down. So obviously, what we're seeing now at the moment with this COVID crisis is location of work. So it's where do you work? Do you work in the office? Do you work at home? Do you work at a cafe? Do you work at a other client site? You know. Your location of work can be a flexible way of working. Another way of working is your hours of work. So you've traditionally got full-time hours and then anything other than full-time is seen as flexible. So part-time, job share, casual workers, etc., shift workers. The third area I refer to as your patterns of work. So traditionally, uh, particularly in corporate roles, it's been nine to five now. It's been tipped on its head. <laughs> I'd suggest, you know, mummers, I don't know how you're doing, but I don't work nine to five There's at no the such moment thing anymore. At the moment, no, no. So that's our patterns of work. So our start and finish times. You know, some people. I I've been working in this space around flexibility for five years, dedicated, um, and I standing in front of executives saying it's actually okay for people to have what I call a split shift. I'd get the strangest looks. And what I meant by that was, you know, some people would work nine till two, then have a couple of hours off because they have to leave to go get the children and do what they need to do in their world and then pick up the other hours later on when suits them. That's what we also call a differing pattern of work, our split shift. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you, but my split shifts are to the max at the moment, (laughs) like (laughs) last week. I think it was, I ran a webinar and I can't remember what day it was, but the day before I was under the pump because I had to get it all prepared and make it look beautiful. And I could see my little one just needed my attention. She was going outside and looking in the window at me. (laughs) Now we have breaks all the time. Like I need to make sure that I have a one and a half to two hour break Um, So I do that pomodoro sprint where I do Ah, a quick sprint of work for 90 minutes, and I have a break for 90 minutes with her. And even though I'd had the break, she obviously needed some more attention. And so I just I had to shift the way that I was working that day. So I was like, you know what, this webinar is not going to get finished right in this moment because it's not the first thing that's important. So what that meant was I had to pick it up that night, and then I had to get up early the next morning to get it done. Now you know, if I was standing in front of the executives that I used to stand in front of years ago, they'd all be saying, "Well, that's not right." You know, it's outside of core hours. You know, all of these are very valid in some respects. Concerns, but in today's world, what we're doing is doing what we've got to get. You know, how the tongue-tied again?
0: We're just we're doing
1: what we have to do to get it done.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't necessarily, as well, I think at the moment mean you've got to do that eight hour day. But if you're still getting the outputs, what does it matter how many hours you've worked? If you've actually got that presentation done, it's got and in different people. For some people, it may take eight hours. For other people, it may only take four. But at the end of the day, what you want done is a presentation and it has been achieved. It's really challenging, that notion of measuring
1: output, isn't it? Like I'm still hearing that's a big problem.
0: Yeah, I, and it's also about that, I think, with flexible work and particularly the way that people are working at the moment at home, it's that, you know, not being to be seen in the, in the office, like, Oh, I've, I'm not showing up. I'm not doing my eight hours, but I'm actually at home probably actually working in their own way is what you said in your, in your own pattern. Um, And you're actually then looking at the outputs necessarily than just, yep, showing up for eight hours and who knows how productive you are exactly
1: and look I, I haven't mentioned the fourth area yeah <laughs> so we've got,
0: we've got location
1: of work yeah. <laughs> yes. we've got location uh, hours patterns <laughs> yeah I, I have verbal diarrhea sometimes so I do apologize uh, and then the fourth one is our leave yeah. so we can access flexibility in the types of leave that we take so we can have the carers leave we can have the unpaid leave like you and I took to have a career break long service leave you know there's all different types of leave which often people tell me they get a lot of flexibility from their ability to access leave. So that's why I've added that into the definition because I think it's really important that
0: we don't
1: lose sight of that.
0: No, it's a very good one to, to have that. So as we've talked about in the past, it's a bit, it's a bit been hard for people to um, sometimes access uh, flexible work and, and request for it. Is everyone entitled to to access flexible work because I know there's different arrangements for if you're a working mother and and that are you finding that and advocating as well that yep no matter where you stand everyone should be able to access this and make it work for themselves I'm really
1: um, over the last 12 months I've had some really encouraging conversations with businesses so those businesses that I've worked with have said we want to go above the legislative requirements So the legislative requirements say, you know, if you're over 55, if you're caring for school-aged children, if you have a disability, or if you're um, experiencing violence, family violence, or supporting someone who's experiencing family violence, then you're entitled to flexible work. Most businesses that I've come across in flexibility have said... That's wonderful, but we want to go above that. So we recognise that flexible work is important for everybody. And so for us to really normalise it, we want to give it to everyone. And I think those organisations that are really looking to modernise their approach to flexibility and step into the 21st century, there's no other way like we're going to create stigmas if we're still saying, well, yes, it's okay for you, but it's not okay for you. And these are the reasons, of course, there needs to sometimes be a priority process, but that's where it comes back to having a team-based approach and a team based conversation to say, okay, well, what's going to work best for all of us? How can we meet our objectives of what we have to do? Cause let's be serious. We're employed to deliver a role and deliver outcomes or outputs or objectives however you define it but it's working through okay well what can work for all of us Mm.
0: not just an individualized approach it's the best way yeah and so what are you through the conversations and the work that you've been doing in recent years what are you seeing as those benefits coming from organisations that have adopted and even gone above the legislation uh, relating to flexible work and not only looking at it from an employer perspective but also from an employee uh, perspective as well. So from I'll go
1: from the employee perspective so what has changed very significantly over five years and we collect data so when we work with organisations we often do surveys And so I'm basing this on data that we've been collecting over the years. What people used to say was it was about caring, was going to help balance or did help balance their caring responsibilities, which was, you know, perfectly fine and fabulous. What we find now, and I would say over the last 12 to 18 months, is it's 20% higher that people are saying health and wellbeing. Which is really it just it happened like that. Like yeah. just one day we we did a survey at a new client and then health and well being was front and center, then productivity, which was really interesting. That's
0: interesting, yeah.
1: And caring for children had dropped back. And what that tells me is that and you know, this is just my perception, I'd love to hear your perception, but what I think that tells me is the narrative is changing within those organisations. So it's because it's being normalised and they're adopting that modern approach that it's for everybody, people are now stepping back to say, okay, how can this help me? And how it's helping them, first and foremost, is their health and wellbeing
0: and productivity. Yeah, Yeah, it's probably that lifestyle approach as well as we're becoming more conscious about the way that we're spending our time and what life we want to lead. It goes into everyone wants to live happier lives and, and also be there for their kids. But um, I also like the, the mindset as well. It's not just work-life balance, it's work-life integration and, and about integrating, you know, the two. So, no, I'm actually not surprised that health and, and productivity are, are, are increasing across organisations. It's fabulous. Isn't it fabulous? Yeah, it's really. really happy fun. by that. But it's yeah, also absolutely. a great conversation as well exactly
1: and look from the business perspective um they're definitely i suppose one of the key focuses it has been for many organization that we've been working with is around that attraction and retention of talent that's a big one branding is another very big one where they're saying look we want to be positioned as an employer of choice and mum as you know this like when you're applying for a job unless they explicitly state this job's flexible you think twice I don't know about you, but I know many of my clients will, will not often put in. Now, what I say to that, putting my career coaching hat on, is put in your application, put in your best foot, get that offer. And then when you get that offer, you can have that conversation about what you want. You can do it before then if you're sure that the organisation is very supportive of it. But if you want to maximise your negotiation, what some of the experts say is to really wait till you got that offer
0: because you have the maximum negotiation power yeah that's that's great advice Mm. and so is retention the main um, focus for organizations now as what you're seeing that transformation to more health and productivity
1: right now yeah, I think <laughs> you heard you heard me sigh. It's, it's, probably,
0: a, it's probably a pre-COVID question. <laughs> maybe post-COVID's a different outcome. No, it's my autonomic nervous
1: system trying to relax. Yeah. Um, right. So right now, many businesses are saying, "Okay, where are we?" Like one organisation that I work with, I spoke to them on Tuesday, and he just said, "The first three weeks, we're in an absolute tailspin." He's like, it was extraordinary. All the work that, you know, we had done to help them prior had obviously helped, but still it was absolutely like a tornado ripping through their company. So where they're at now is just trying to stabilise. Mm. They're trying to work through, okay, what's business critical? How can we rebuild? Um, And really trying to work through. So what they've done is put uh, a request to their employees to ask them, would anyone like to reduce their hours? To four days a week because what they're trying to work through is their financial st- sustainability yeah. of their organisation. Now you can't ask someone to go part time; you can't force them. It's my understanding. I'm not a lawyer, uh, but what they've done is they've asked people, "Would they like to?" Now they've had a huge take up because so many people are saying, "Yes, yeah, they
0: want <laughs> that, that would help great. me a lot." Yeah. yeah,
1: it will help me manage homeschooling. It will help me, you know, in the short term, deal with a whole lot of stuff, which has been. Um, an interesting different response that they expect that they expected the other thing that they're doing and many businesses that we're helping is saying okay well what does a transition look like so we don't know when we'll all be back at work obviously some states are reducing their restrictions uh putting my functional medicine nutritionist hat on Social distancing is here for a long time. Mm. It's here for eighteen months to two years. Until we get a vaccine,
0: we will all need
1: we will need to be two meters away from each other. Yep. So how do we step back into an office if that's what some businesses are planning well we need to be thinking about you know is there a team a a team b do we rotate do we do different shifts i know some businesses are saying okay we're going to have an early shift and a late shift how can we promote people to get to work that's not on public transport can we ride bikes you know all sorts of different options can we provide them parking because public transport is going to be a spreader Yep how can we increase ventilation so being outside in nature is a natural disinfectant we need to get more ventilation into these buildings many of the buildings windows don't open
0: that's very so, true.
1: Yeah, yeah so it's a really it's a real thing i know some businesses were talking the other day about plants they're looking into plants if that really does make a big difference don't know don't have the answer but yeah it's a
0: really interesting fascinating time yeah and are you seeing that organizations previously that may not have been receptive to flexible work and and um, you know uh, different hours and and work patterns do you, are you finding that there is a a bit of a shift in that direction? Yeah
1: one in particular I think it would be significant across the board, but I'll give you an example of one in particular, so I've been talking to this business for. Two years, 18 months, about the importance of it and really about how it's so important to equip managers to be able to support their workforce and really getting to the hearts and minds of people and really shifting that mindset. So it's been an 18 month conversation. So, Mama, if you're listening and you're a consultant, you'll know that that's actually not that unusual. Usually in consulting, there is a nine to 12 month lead time to securing a project. So it's been frustrating because they haven't really seen the importance of it. Now this has happened, they've actually come out the other side and they're proud. They're like, this is amazing. Look at all the work we've done. We've we've stood it up and, you know, standing back, you know, you get a bit frustrated, right? So I'm like, well, we could have put in all the processes and done it probably from the beginning but yeah there just wasn't that appetite there wasn't that desire my concern is that also it's not a permanent approach and there's not that support so yes you can stand everyone up you can give them a laptop and access to log in but if you're not supporting people into this new way of working like you said before around measuring outputs and not focused on presenteeism and building a culture of trust remotely can be tricky then it's it is challenging and then the other part to that obviously is how do you transition yeah so what's what's going to be the plan are people you know they're proud of what they've done but are they going to then you know realize the real estate benefits of having you know less of a bricks and mortar footprint
0: So what on that, about the transition back, because I think we've gone through this, as you said, massive curve about, oh no, how do we work from home and all these organizations scurrying to get by laptops and set up their employees working remotely. What then about the transition back? Because we've possibly had organizations that were a little bit resistant to allowing their employees to even work from home that concept was very foreign now they're working from home and then we then you know post COVID when all this is said and done employees will have gone oh this actually worked for me I may not want to do it five days a week but I may want the opportunity to do it every now and then how both from an employee perspective as well an employer can we then have that um conversation to actually make sure it works going forward. Because I know no everyone's going to work, want to work full time at home or at home permanently. But I think this has given people a taste of as what you're saying, it's helping their health. It's making them more product um productive. What can we do post-COVID? Could I just share you a funny story? Go for, <laughs> for it. For, so uh,
1: I was, I heard this story the other day. A friend of mine told me and she said her partner was in the other room on a phone call so it was him and his colleague talking to someone in switzerland and this person said how are things in your country and so her partner said yeah it's fine you know i'm just working from home it's just like used to be and the other person paused his colleague and after about three seconds was like what do you mean it's the same the schools are shut the parks are shut the swimming pools shut the toy shops are shut (laughs) <laughs> you know, the ice skating ring shut. Everything's shut. I've got three kids and running around. My life is crazy. I can't think. I've got nowhere to go. You know, I can't even go to the bar or the cafe or this it, is it not normal. Just, this is a tirade of like this is working three minutes. From home in a crisis. And so she was in the other room listening and she was killing herself laughing because she was like, Isn't that interesting? Like our experience. So she doesn't have children. She was like, our experience is like a ripple. Yes, it's impacted us, but it's not that significant. Whereas for this gentleman, and I know like you and I and many of mamas listening today, it's been huge. Like this impact has been significant, like that gentleman. And so with regards to um, going forward, I think there's going to be some people who working from home full-time, they do like it. They're more productive. Like I, I do know many people who really thrive when they're working from home. Whereas you do, and I'm hearing stories of people saying, you know, it's not my optimal way of working. I don't like it. I've been forced into this and I have to do it. Yes, I get that, but I don't want to do it. So we're going to, and there's going to be a mix of everyone in between. And so I think it's going to come back to saying, okay, well, what do we want our team culture to be? What do we want our organisation culture to be? What are some of the benefits for individuals, benefits for our business, benefits for our customers and designing it? So it comes back to that team-based approach to designing something that's really going to be meaningful. Now, I don't want us to just glaze over this. We are not going to be back. Like I said, that social distancing, it's at least 18 months to two years. So, you know, when I hear people saying, that's my perception, given the reading of all, I read a lot of academic health um, journals, given my interest, Um, that's my reading of it. And so I think for many of us, or many people saying, well, we'll all be back in the office in September, that's probably not accurate, because there will be some kind of guideline saying per square metre, this is how many people are allowed in your office. So I think in one respect, answering your question, for those who like it, the working from home, there will still be that ability to do it, I think, because of the landscape we're in. But it's also about working through, okay, well, how can we make this part of our business? There are huge benefits.
0: Yeah, and it's certainly as well... I guess finding that happy medium because you do have people that want that social engagement and interaction, whereas you've got other people that are enjoying that isolation of actually no knuckling down and they're not being interrupted by someone every five minutes. (laughs)
1: Absolutely.
0: So um, what can people do to then have that conversation um, as an employee with their employers and look, I would like this to continue. Um, Are you saying it's more of a a team-based or is it um, something that they can also then help design to meet their family um, lifestyle goals? Yeah, absolutely. On the Flexible Working Day
1: website, we've got a flexibility kit, I should call it, for employees. So if you access that, there's some steps that can help you work through that conversation first and foremost it's about being prepared so be really be consciously focused on the key messages that you want to unpack with your manager in that conversation so I hear so many people who just make a meeting then turn up and then just talk it's really important to say okay well what are the what do I want to get out of this what does success look like and really step into your negotiation style so working through okay for your preparation, what are some of the benefits for the business? What are some of the benefits for the team? And then you can touch on you know, benefits or why you want it for yourself. I think with the environment that we were in over the next couple of years, it, I would suspect that it's not going to be as difficult as it has been in the past.
0: I think that's going to be one positive out of COVID is about allowing that flexible work to be, almost normalized and really take so many leaps and jumps forward than what would have taken probably potentially decades.
1: I hope so. So mama, if you're listening and you're not having that experience, let us know. Yeah. Cause it's, it's really important. We can work through how we can help.
0: Yeah. Cause I know as well, like a friend of mine contacted me last night and she said that she wants to start the conversation with her employer about hours and and that and she's actually quite nervous about it because they're very rigid even still now in their approach Um, she works in the health services industry um, so she's still got to do client facing consulting and it's quite difficult at times what can we do to i guess answer her question around having an open conversation around flexible work even now in in the middle of this crisis so she wants to reduce her hours, is that right? We have more flexible hours. Yeah.
1: Sure. And I suppose it comes back to the parameters of mm-hmm. her role. So if she's in a service delivery role, are there certain times that she has to be available for clients? So I suppose the flexibility kit really gives that structure. So it gives um, and it will give her the basis to actually step through and say, okay, what are some of the non-negotiables here? So there's going to be some which obviously she'll have to attend. If it's a client facing a health service delivery facing role, then you can't rock up and see a client at 11 p.m. <laughs> you, might, you might be able to, but I highly doubt it. So it's working through, I suppose, what are some of those non-negotiables? And then what are some of the elements of her role that aren't client-facing, that can be picked up at other times. So I've even got a client at the moment who has negotiated to pick up some of the report writing and that kind of work that doesn't require interaction with the team on a Saturday morning, which, you know, has been unheard of in the past in her organisation. But she's saying, look, to manage homeschooling, to manage my client engagement the team engagement I don't have any thinking space to do this report writing so when I'm going to do it is Saturday morning because the kids are going to be entertained with dad and they're going to do something outside in the garden or I don't know what but I'm going to have two hours that I'm going to be dedicated now for the boss um, the conversation went well because there was a benefit to him so he was like okay yeah that sounds good and he knows that her quality output's high so yeah it was going to work yeah so for your friend I would say okay really step back and say okay well what are some of those non-negotiables that just have to happen and then what are some of the aspects of the role we all have them parts of professional development and administrative parts of our jobs that we can do at different times
0: no that's really true and I guess as well And I think through all the discussions, it's not just about what you want as an individual, but it's also about what works for the organisation and also for the team and the culture uh, as well. Absolutely. Um, And as well, I know that when we have the negotiations with our employer around flexible work, they don't have to be set in stone, do they? What do you mean by... So it's not set in what, stone. What we set, what we the arrangement that we come up with doesn't have to be that way, and it's permanent forever. We can obviously renegotiate, um, in a in, you know over time. Absolutely, and I think
1: so many the struggle that I'm not sure if it's still there, and I, I, my suspicion is it probably is, is with some of those managers that haven't experienced managing this new modern way of flexibility so in my experience training those managers has been really helping them understand that this isn't like you said linear and fixed we can trial things we can experiment we can see what works we can come back we can test and change and adapt which is fabulous and I call that leader flex I think
0: it's know, a good way
1: yeah, I just made it up. <laughs> but I think <laughs> in in today's world, it's so important that leaders and managers have leader flex, their ability to flexibly lead themselves and others. Now, where we're going to find challenges, um, you know, for us working for particular leaders and managers who don't possess that leader flex is they may still be quite fixed in their approach and still be quite linear. What I'd say is, you've got to meet people where they're at. So even though they're their bo- they're your boss, even though it's a legislative requirement, uh, we've got to meet them where they're at and we've got to embrace our communication style. We've got to re- embrace our um, negotiation style to really try and help bring them along the journey as best as we can. And you can always um, direct them to have our training course.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gently. <laughs> yeah. Gently.
1: We'll put, yeah, we'll
0: put the links on the uh, show uh-huh. notes.
1: Yeah, well, that's always an option, but I'm, I'm not sure it would go down very well. But, um, yeah, it's working through, okay, if you're seeing people, if your manager, if you're sensing that resistance, and that's why having those conversations in person helps because you can read the body language. You can see if someone goes stiff. If they do a big breath, that means that they're thinking and they've had a big shift, so that's also another sign. You'll be able to read their eyes, um, their hands, what they're doing, etc. cetera. So from that, you'll be able to adjust your style and your messaging, which is such an important part. We often forget about that yeah. when we're negotiating. But some of the most skilled negotiators in the world have the best
0: emotional intelligence and mirroring behaviours. No, I agree. My, my husband's actually a lawyer and does a lot of mediation work and he said that it'd be very hard to do um, court work and mediation work by Zoom because you can't read the body language of the other side. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) We could learn a lot from him. Yes. And is there anything else that you're seeing at the moment that's been brought about in organisations around flexible work uh, thanks to COVID? I think one of the things that I keep hearing is
1: COVID's really forced businesses' hands at remote work. And working from home and yes that's true but I've heard so many other stories so obviously the reduced hours which is positive for some people and not positive for others who weren't um, wanting to reduce their salary I've seen patterns of work and shift work so I know an organization the people who live next door her husband is part of um, that business and they've got three shifts So this was a business that was nine to five. He's now on a particular shift. They've got three shifts a day that are running. So then people can, because they have to be in the office, because they have to be in this, um, it's like a a sales factory kind of role. They have to be there. So they can't do a lot of it from home. And that's a way that that business has revitalized, I suppose, and taken, you know, this situation around the social distancing measures to keep it humming so that's another way I've heard lots of people saying they're taking leave I've heard of two people taking long service leave because similar to you with your maternity leave they've said we really want to use this as a period to reset so yeah another friend said to them but you're not going anywhere you're going to be bored you're just at home shouldn't you save it for a holiday and this particular friend said no I, I really want this to just be a downtime, a really just relaxing. Outlined. Yeah, 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 for sure. And she's got a child in year 12. So for her, that was her priority. Um, and she's a single mum too, which would be absolutely really difficult. So yeah, to all the single mummers out there. Oh, I, I take my to
0: you. you. Yes. Absolutely. I'm a few people I know in that situation. Yeah. And what it... Do you have some stories of organisations that are actually doing this quite well at the moment and, and also the journey that you've been on with them maybe the last five, six years um, to promote uh, flexible work practices in their organisations? Have you seen that they've then been better off during this period?
1: Absolutely. So we run the Champions of Flexible Work Awards. We've run it for the last two years. We're indecided at the moment as to whether or not we're going to run it this year. We're thinking not. Um, Just given the current situation. But, you know, I'll give you an example the Australian Bureau of Statistics. So they deal with a lot of data, massive amounts of data, federal government agency, public servants. You'd typically think, you know, they would be non agile. They won one of our awards and they are incredibly agile. They are the most, they were able to adapt to this um, crisis pandemic so rapidly because their whole workforce is used to it. So for them, they had other government agencies looking at them saying, well, how do you do this? How how have you done this? (laughs) And the facts are it's been a number of years, right? So they've got the processes put in place. They've got the capability of their managers and leaders. They've got all the enablers. The culture's there. There's a culture of trust and outcomes focused. The leadership is there. And it was quite easy for them. Like many organisations, another one that won our, one of our awards was American Express, Lifeline Australia. So Lifeline Australia, many, um, you know, they're, they're um, sorry, Lifeline Canberra, I should say, they've been inundated in this period incredibly stressful period when we spoke to them when they won the award a couple of years ago they said the main reason that people at lifeline canberra access flexible work is to help with their well-being and to help with their ability to really um manage because what they doing de- it's a suicide hotline yeah so, so
0: definitely very busy at the moment
1: yeah, exactly. And another one was TAL. So it's a life insurance company. And so, again, because they had all the pillars and the fundamentals set, it was easy, Yeah. quite, quite straightforward from what I can gather. I haven't spoken to them directly, but from social media, um, it it's appears that it's been really straightforward. So I think the biggest thing that I could say coming out of this is, and, you know, over the next couple of months, is we've got to not forget that this is about modernizing our approach to work so yes remote work is a key part of it but we need to look more holistically to say okay flexible work is the way of you know working and it's people are calling it a new way working which it's not that new as you know (laughs) but fine we can we can run with that
0: if that helps you Uh, get through it yes
1: Yeah. But the future of flexibility needs to be modernised. And so many organisations are really far down the track and many are not. So that's why we're still continuing with Flexible Working Day this year. And with flexibility, that's why we've created a lot of our programs to be online and providing a lot of our coaching and education online, because we realise that people need to access it in the moment that they need it. So it's not saying, okay, I'm waiting for you to come to do a masterclass, you know, in 2021, they're saying, well, I need it today. Yeah. So I want to do the course on the weekend. So that's why we're making it all available.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. So if we had to crystal ball 10 years time um, in around flexible work and um, modernising the work approach is what you've just spoken about, what would that look like for you? I think... F- my ideal is that there is
1: a really strong focus on health and well-being so my my visual is that that's front and center you know obviously um, we've got a couple of years to get ourselves out of this economic situation we find ourselves in and when I say a couple I mean decades um, as you and I know it probably take a lifetime Australia doesn't seem like we've been impacted as significantly as other countries but definitely globally the economic situation is not very nice so we've got a long way to go Um, but I think you know perhaps that's going to put more of a focus on you know what do we value I've heard so many people talk about their values more more over the last four weeks than I've ever heard around what's important to them so, you know, for many people it's not working 40 hours a week. It's about working through okay, how can I create my full life that has all the required components that make me happy as a person and how can I live in a way that's really going to support me? So what does it look like? A couple of years ago people were saying the gig economy. Do you remember that term? Yes, yeah, I remember. It was the gig going to be economy. big. Yeah, it was going to be big. It's a bit dead now. COVID has killed the gig economy largely. So Uber, you can't go in an Uber. unless It's just one person. Exactly. Um, Uber's in trouble. Um, Uber Eats, I think, is pretty busy. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, a couple of years ago, people were saying that was the way of the future. Portfolio careers were the way of the future. I'm not sure. So going back, um, 20 years ago where the economy wasn't that great when I first started out my career job security mm. was really important so I do wonder if over the next couple of years I don't know if 10 years people do really come back to centre and say okay well, what do they value what's important to them and how can they ensure that they've got the greatest job security that would be I suppose my hypothesis
0: Yeah. And are you seeing any changes um, in the future or you'd like to see as well around government legislation in this space? In regards to? Flexible work and allowing, I guess, both parents having the same opportunities um, to also, as what you said earlier, there are some organisations making that base level Um, policy change um, and there are others going well um, above that definitely around recruitment and retention of employees is there a lot more that you see that government can be doing in this space to uh, help everyone? Well
1: the Fair Work Commission came out oh look it would have been 18 months ago maybe two years ago for public submissions on this so I put one in with a lawyer who we work with very closely And I suppose what came out of that was they then changed the Fair Work Act to say that if someone asks for flexibility and they're one of those eligible employees, so over 55 have a disability, caring for children or experiencing violence, family violence, or caring for someone experiencing family violence, your manager has 21 days to respond. So that's a new addition to the piece of legislation. What we had said um, in our response to their request was it needs to be opened up for everybody. So until we open it up to to everyone, there'll be discrimination. There'll be what I call flexism, another word I made up. Um, (laughs) um, And we need to modernise it. Now, they didn't go that far. It's not saying that they won't this step that they've put in place is very good. So basically what that does is puts the onus on the managers to make them very um, accountable for coming back and making a decision on that. So they've put um, the Victorian police to test on that. So there was a case there which found it was unfavourable towards the Victorian police because their manager... um, when they responded within the 21 days, gave a particular reason and then when the person appealed it, they came back with another reason. Yeah. So there's a tip to mamas out there, if you're a manager, the reason you give that first reason in the first 21 days is it. So if you end up in front of the commission, which it was the full bench of the Fair Work Commission in this case, you're in deep trouble because... (laughs) They don't care what your your other reasons are. It's what that first reason is. Now, the challenge we face is many managers have no idea of their legal obligation and legal requirement there. So part of our education is obviously teaching them about that.
0: Yeah, that's right. So,
1: yeah, in answering your question, are we 100% there? No. Are we getting there? Yes, look, baby steps. We're ahead of many countries Many countries do look to us, which is great, but I think we do need businesses to step up, like I said earlier, and say, you know what, we're going to go above and
0: beyond. Yeah, this is a minimum safeguard, and it's important, but we're doing more than that. Exactly. Businesses stretch themselves. No one tells them they have to get X amount of profits, so they need to certainly stretch themselves when it comes about their, to their employees. And who wouldn't want to work there? Exactly. For me,
1: like if a business is out there saying we do this and we're great at it and their employees attest to it, we'll all be applying for jobs there.
0: <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> Absolutely. Now, what have you got planned for National Flexible Work Day this year? Look, we've um, we've been
1: really conscious of the environment we're in. So, you know, we want to pay our respects obviously to those people who've lost their lives, those people who've lost their jobs and recognize the environment that we are in we've spent a bit of time thinking about that and where we've landed is we're going to run Flexpo which is going to be a digital event with focus on reframing flexibility for the future so really okay. that modernizing yeah flexible but work it sounds really exciting it is so I you know I am an introvert like I said I think a lot so I spent a lot of time debating whether or not we would focus heavily on remote work and as you know And as I covered earlier, it's only one aspect of it. And I think that this flexible working day is a really opportune time to step up and step out and say, okay, let's look at the reframing. And as working mummers, you all know that we still need the conversation to continue about part-time work, how do you redesign roles, job share, how do you make it work? You know, these are really core fundamentals that we still haven't got right yeah with regards to flexibility so we're going to have a little bit on that as well so yeah i'm really excited
0: oh that sounds fantastic so uh yeah have to keep us posted
1: absolutely and if there's any mummers in the network including yourself that would like to be part of it then let me know and yeah just reach out
0: and we can all do this together yes we've got to we've got to be in it together to create the change so if people want to reach out to you how do they actually know quickly first of all I always ask everyone how do you fill your cup
1: oh how do I fill my cup so a couple of things so I was always told years ago when I did a self-care course to meditate now if you've been told to meditate and you just try and meditate it's really hard. So I spent like many years trying and working on it. So I'm getting there. It's, it's working. Um, I'm not always completely present. And then I have those thought bubbles come in that those clouds that I have to push aside, but I'm getting better. So that's one thing. My nutrition studies and reading, I know this is so boring for people, um, but reading and listening to the functional medicine perspectives on COVID. I just, love so I spend probably an hour to two hours a night listening to that because wow. our, our household goes to bed early I love it I've got a real passion for autoimmune disease my daughter was diagnosed when she was two she's now four and she's in unmedicated remission oh, so goodness. yeah it's so cool so I just love that and then um yeah just those kinds of things and then I've got an infrared sauna which I oh, wow. is my 40th birthday present. Yeah, I know, it's so amazing. So for my health, when I really dug down into health, I did some genetic tests on myself because I did them on my daughter. And I found I've got a gene that doesn't enable me to detox. So drinking alcohol and coffee and sugar and all of that stuff really is hard for me to process. I never really um, could put my finger on some of my health issues until I worked out that I had that gene that's a bit faulty so the sauna is frigging amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> <It's the best. laughs> I know. Dan was like, let's go to New York. Let's do all these things. And I was like, nope, I'm going to be very selfish and get something that's just for me. And it has been really good. And it's been instrumental in my health. So,
0: oh, that's yeah, so even good better. Hear. Yes, even better. Long-term benefits. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And so, yes, back to our other question before, how can people get in touch with you and engage with you, particularly around National Flexible Work Day? Awesome. So
1: flexibleworkingday.com. So if you go on there, you can drop me a note. So there'll be a link that you can drop me a message. Flexagility. So it's, I made up that word. So flexibility and flex agility are brought together or agility. So flexagility.com, again, that's where we have a lot of our programs. We're constantly updating that. We've got a few to come shortly and the career coaching at the moment, it's careerinsidetrack.com, but we're just doing a pivot and a rebrand of that to include the nutrition. So it'll be vanessavanderhoek.com.
0: Oh, fantastic. Well, congratulations on everything that you have achieved so far and actually creating this groundswell and this momentum to actually changing the conversation and and being such a big advocate for, I guess, all employees and not just us fellow working mummers. So thank you. Good luck for what you're doing. Keep us posted um, and I know that I'll post the show links, um, sorry, the links in the show notes to all your sites and um, particularly also around National Work Day. So congratulations and and keep up the good work because it's definitely changed the conversation.
1: Oh, thank you, Karina. I needed that. You know how some days you need a bit of motivation and (laughs) (laughs) positive feedback. So thank you so much. And thank you for everything that you're doing, your podcast. I know it's your side hustle, but we all know that there's much love in it and the people that you're getting on to speak are just fabulous. So thank you. I know it takes a lot of work, but...
0: It's amazing. We love it. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Working Mama podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify or your favourite podcast catch-up. I invite you also to join the Working Mama community on Facebook and enjoy the conversation with other like-minded working mums. Please also feel free to contact me on any of the Working Mama social channels. Remember, mama is M-U-M-M-A or website website www.workingmama.com.au I would appreciate you to share this podcast with friends and colleagues especially those that are parents managing the juggle and I would really appreciate if you had to take the time out to leave a review of the podcast I'll be giving a shout out to select people that do so so stay listening and you might be one of them thank you and see you next time have a great week